0: All right, Trek's podcast, this time day two of the Set conference in Salt Lake City. Uh, we just finished and wrapped that up, and hopefully you heard the first day. Now we're on to day two. Yeah,
1: and day two, I, I was exhausted after day one. Like I did like four or five miles walking, and just so many things were going on, and, and we had so many connections that we made on day one that we had to think about communication basically the whole day. How do we get more people to communicate with us and get into the, the conversation. So we actually recorded a couple podcasts there, which was great. You did a great job just being a part of the conference. So you did two sessions at Ignite and then uh, App Smash, right?
0: Yeah, the Demo Slam. Demo Slam, that's what, right. The so tell us slam. about those. Well, let's start with the Demo Slam um, in the morning. And this was organized. Wait, wait, wait. What is a Demo Slam? A Demo Slam, right? So it was the Google Trainers of Utah getting together, have two minutes each. And we pre-recorded these in a video. But there were about eight or nine of us. We recorded our videos. We submitted those. And then basically the attendees, they came in. They sat down. We played through those videos. And then they would choose their favorite. And basically somebody would walk away a winner. Now, those videos had to be some Google tip, trick, something like that, something Google-related. And so mine was on – I know this is really close to everybody's heart – fonts. And emojis. Because <laughs> who doesn't love fonts, right? right? But I go into elementary schools, and that is the most sacred thing to some teachers are their fonts. I mean, everything's everything's better in Comic Sans, isn't it? <laughs> Except for research reports. Oh, well, it depends on the research report. I That's mean, true, is it yeah. on the circus? Because <laughs> that, that might be funnier. Is it on the power of Comic Sans? The power <laughs> of Comic Sans. <laughs> You might be onto something there. So you did
1: fonts and emojis. So how would someone do that on well, a Google I'm, Doc?
0: Walk us through for like 30 seconds. Well, the, the trick more than anything was being able to take fonts and emojis where you don't think you can take them or put them in. Mm-hmm. We're used to having the emoji keyboard on our phone. So we can actually add a Chrome extension of emojis um, in Chrome. And we could give, like in our Google Drive or any of our Google files or the name of our files, we could insert an emoji Mm. if we wanted to, right? So you can bring it to life a, a little bit like that. And you could go on and find a font generator online if you wanted to and use that copy and paste that font to rename your files as well. Now, this was my favorite part, and I thought this was the one that would sell it and win it for me. Now, you don't have the same fonts. Well, you can add an extension in Google Docs called extensus fonts, okay. and that gives you more fonts than the Google fonts, right? So that's kind of a win. Well, add-ons just barely arrived to Google Slides, and you don't have that extension. So if you fall in love with a font in Google Docs, how do you get it to Google Slides, Yeah, right? So you can actually type a little bit of text in Google Docs, use extensus fonts and change the fonts, then just copy and paste that into Google Slides And it takes that font with you. So then you can go and start typing in that font and editing in that font um, right in Google Slides.
1: I'm going to have to share that with my teachers because they use Google Slides like candy. Right. So this will be really easy for them to to add that on. Yeah. So where would you come in on the the competition?
0: Uh, I think I placed fifth right in the middle of the pack. I did get some votes. Uh, Somebody said they voted for me because I did dress up. Yeah. And I'll take any vote I can possibly get. (laughs) <laughs> well, and you a—you look dapper. Now, now I, I do have to say as well that mine was the very first one. Oh, okay. Right, so they had a lot of time to forget.
1: So what one won then? What was the best uh, demo slam?
0: Well, the one that won was the one that went last. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, so of course. So the, the recency effect in that mm-hmm. case. Um, and uh, that was Dew Bui from uh, Ogden City School District, and he did his on Screencastify. Uh, Oh, I use that. Now one of the things that I love that he did in his video. First of all, he got students involved Right, so having students involved Always wins with the crowd I would say now what age students. I think they were junior high students Okay, cuz you got the 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 younger the cute kid is you have the cute factor too playing into it but consider this perspective he got junior high kids to do something
1: yeah, that's awesome. Right? So yeah.
0: so that was kind of a success. Uh, but he did a great job demonstrating the power of Screencastify use for a teacher as well as the use for a student. And it was just a very well done, even well produced two minute video.
1: Very cool. I,
0: I learned some tips and tricks on what I should do in my demo slam video for next time. I was a rookie. so
1: Nice. Well, next year, you'll take it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no reason I shouldn't take the trophy next year. Yeah,
1: and so for those of you that have never heard of Screencastify, it's a um, tool that allows you to record your desktop, desktop as well as your um, camera. So you can have these awesome videos that record your voice. You can talk through what you're doing on a, on a, your screen and share them with students, share them with all sorts of people, to other teachers and things like that, to walk them through the tech that you're using and how to get to ter- certain places, which is Awesome. I've used it before for my students and it helps out a ton.
0: Well, why not even use it as a feedback tool? Yeah. Right? So a lot of the times you spend a lot of time just making or typing notes, Mm -hmm. you know, to give feedback to a student. Why not run Screencastify, walk them through the paper they're writing on or the project they're working on and give them the verbal feedback? Probably save us some time.
1: Which is really easy to to add on. It's just a nice little extension on Google Uh, Chrome. You can get it on there. It's free. Super easy to add on to. We'll have a link in our uh, notes as well.
0: Right. And it saves right to your Google Drive. So yes. there's no download, upload, funky stuff.
1: No mess, no problems. That's right. It's awesome.
0: Um, and then you did an Ignite session. So f- I've only heard of Ignite a little bit. So tell us a little bit about Ignite. What that? Is This was my first time doing an, an Ignite session. Um, but an Ignite session um, is really a series of five minute presentations. Of some kind. And here are the parameters that we had for our Ignite. We had 20 slides, 15 seconds a slide. Those would be moved automatically. And so basically, once it started, it would go, you have five minutes, and then it's done. And so I took that as a challenge. And what we saw South by Southwest, the moth, the yes. moth stories, um, that was really inspiring and being able to tell a story. And that was one thing I really took back going, I need to be able to tell stories. But I need to tell more stories and I need to be effective at that. And even from the last podcast, when we talked about uh, Google Innovator Academy, uh, one of our coaches there, you know, had done some keynote speaking at ISTE last year, Jenny McGarer. And she talked about weekend language and went through some of the tips and things that you would would do um, to deliver an effective story or an effective keynote. And so I picked up the book Weekend Language and I used that to really help guide my particular Ignite session. Which, what was the topic
1: of your evening session?
0: I was uh, recently inspired by a book by, uh, chan uh, I'm going to get their names mixed up, Dan and Chip, Keith, okay. right? <laughs> and the book was the power of moments. And it was really those elements that lead to creating defining moments and the power of moments. And so I took some personal stories of mine that were related to those elements. And I shared those out, um, kind of in the, the framework of the power of moments. Mm. So,
1: and that's a really powerful idea for teachers. If you can create a moment surrounding your curriculum, uh, make it surprising, make it different. All of a sudden, that that topic that most students wouldn't hold on to it becomes something that they can remember for a really long time.
0: Well, and I really, I really believe after really reading that book and thinking about it a little bit more, is that you know, as adults and educators. We've had a lot of those really big defining moments to this point. And when you're younger, you're having more of those defining moments more frequently. Mm-hmm. And really a teacher's in one of the best spots to, to create those defining moments or to give an opportunity of insight or elevate a moment or give them an opportunity to be proud of something that they've done. That was my pen going across the room. <laughs> um, but give them opportunity to, pride, uh, to have pride and then opportunity to connect, yeah. whether it's with, with you or other students. So, uh, really good book. So, I highly recommend that, "The Power of Moments." But I, I was able to manage and get it in five minutes, and uh, I felt really good about it. Yeah, um, I was just on a Ed chat last
1: night called Engage Chat, and one of the, th- the questions was all about how do we get kids to engage more? How do we work with them so they they uh, actually want to be in the classroom? And the amount of responses of how do we do this? Get how do we get the kids to be a part of what's going on was incredible, and there were so many good ideas. So. Shout out to Engage Chat. Go and check that out. It's Friday nights. It's wonderful.
0: If you've got nothing to do on a Friday night. Right. Like me, I'm
1: just going to sit home and watch a movie. So I'm on, the, on Twitter. It's I'm great. Sure. Um, so while you were off doing your speaking gigs, Mr. Public Speaker, I uh, was just off doing sessions. And so the first one I went to, to harken back to Thursday, was I went to an Arduino session because I was obsessed with the idea of learning how to to do that technology. You
0: wanted it to light up again.
1: Yes. I wanted to figure it out. And so I went to this great session um, by one of the USET board members um, who was a junior high coding teacher, um, I believe out of Salt Lake. His name's Ben. And it was great. It was, here's a box. Here's the diagram. I'm walking around for the next 25 minutes. You try and figure it out. I'll come help you if you get stuck. I love that. It was wonderful. And so I sat down. I had my breadboard. I had the Arduino. I hooked it up to my computer. Um, and we just started, I worked through the diagram and about 10 minutes later, I hooked it up and it worked.
0: Rumor has it was 20 minutes later. So yeah, it was a similar. little,
1: it may have been a little bit closer no, to 20, sadly. Um, but what was great is that it, it was a sense of accomplishment because I didn't ask for his help once. I just heard a little tip that he said that sometimes it's the the LED bulb that you have to flip, it, flip the pins and I was like, oh, that might be it. And so I, I'd flip my pins and... It worked, and I could. I actually had a button that could make it blink faster or slower, and it was wonderful. And so, the sense of accomplishment I had there is just as a teacher was wonderful. But you know, I'm I'm excited to bring that back to the classroom and maybe show students some of those ideas.
0: Well, and this makes me think. You know, we kind of de- decided that maybe this day two theme was communication, and uh, from my standpoint, it was. I was out kind of communicating and communicating tools, and the ignite method is a really effective, fun way to really communicate with people with some parameters. But what happened in that session that really stands out to me, what you're describing in the Arduino session, is that there was kind of less communication, Mm -hmm. right? So it was, here's what you're going to do. Go try and go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like that. Then the communication then became more one-on-one and individual or or personalized as you needed it. It
1: shifted from a top-down model to a coaching model. And I really appreciated that because once I got mine working, the people sitting next to me were like, okay, how'd you do that? Show us. And I tried my best because I I honestly don't know the technology that well. And so as I was working through it, I was showing them some of the big ideas and um, trying to get it. And they eventually got theirs working, which was awesome. Um, The lady sitting next to me on my other side, though, was a complete expert and had like four of them running at one time. I was like, how did you do that? And she's like, just figure it out.
0: <laughs> She's got the lights in the classroom yeah. all going on and off, and the TV's turning on and off. All of a sudden, it turns into the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> well, this you described that there was something that even happened at my house this morning that that reminds me of. So my kids have discovered YouTube kid videos. Oh, nice. And so or not nice. Well, no, it, it was a good thing, okay. and this is why I think it was a good thing. My my daughter and my son head off to to his room, and they're eight and four, and so. They're in there and there are Legos all over the floor. But they're watching this YouTube video on how to build this little Nerf cannon <laughs> out of Legos. And they were in there for two hours just building Legos and finding the right ones. But when they came out, they had something that they created. That's amazing. And they were so proud of it. Yeah. Right? And what I love to see was that, that anyway, in a way, she sh- my daughter built most of it. Um, she struggled through it. Right? She, would, she would stop, she would rewind, she would go back. She's like, oh, wait, I don't have the same Legos they have. I'll have to make kind of a, a modification to mine. And she struggled through that. And so me as, as dad was really proud. So I just think about that inside of the classroom is, is give them that struggle, give them that opportunity, right? Put those directions out there and say, get there. That's an that idea of trial
1: and error, struggle, and then succeed, hopefully. Right. And then when you succeed, it's even that much better. <laughs> and so that's why I was really excited about going to an Arduino session. I had to leave early, though, to meet our our guests on another podcast, but I, I was so jazzed off of that that I was able to get to that point. Um, in the afternoon, I went to a VR session, um, Utah Film Institute, or Film Center, actually, um, came and did a session on VR technology with Carl Sagan, uh, this really great idea. Um, it was really interesting to see how many teachers had never seen VR goggles like just simple he had these uh it was it looked like a viewmaster you remember those from like oh, yeah. when you were a little kid he had a bunch of those but it had the phone slot in there so you could have the lenses and you can put it up to your face and you're all of a sudden in a VR experience and it was just basically google expeditions um but it was so interesting to see how quickly they adapted to the technology and how many questions they had and then also they started thinking and generating really quickly ideas about how they could apply this to the classroom. The big thing with VR right now, obviously, or AR, is the money. I mean, you have so much cost associated with that, like two to three thousand dollars for a set. But once you get it, it's good for four or
0: five years. Well, and you could you could go really you know low budget and Google Cardboard. Yeah. Right. Or maybe they could build their own out of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> get the lenses, pop them in there. Yeah. You're yeah. Good. So. I think about um, really VR and AR and what you're saying here. i got to ask you a question, though. So you said that those teachers in there had very little experience. What did you hear when they put it up to their eyes for the first time? Oh, it was wow. Time?
1: Yeah. They were excited. They were, they were transported to be little kids again. They were going, wow, this looks so different. Um, they were worried about motion sickness. There was like two or three ladies in the back that were like, am I going to get sick? <laughs> doing this and the guy in the front was the guy teaching the session was like yeah you probably will, VR motion sickness is a real thing Um, but let's try it anyways let's have fun, he was very casual and engaging in that way, always answering questions as they went through, because if you've never used VR, there's a lot of tech that has to go into that And so he had a router and he had all these different cell phones and he was building all the kits and he was like trying to get as many people as possible to try the technology in the classroom. So basically it became less of a directed top-down lecture and more of, okay, we're going to stop and pause and I'm going to fix something really quick and then I'll talk some more (laughs) in a moment. Um, And it was just – it was fascinating to see how – adaptive the, st- the teachers were to it I don't know how many people are going to use it from that but if I had the opportunity I'd use it
0: in a heartbeat well I mean the first step introducing them to the possibilities yeah right and some teachers it'll take time after time after time after time before they make a connection to what they or they'd be able to use it for in their in their own classroom some of them will take it and they'll run yeah right but I mean talk about visual communication in that case, I mean, the, I think the possibilities are endless to, Endless. then with VR and AR yeah. in the future of communication. Well, if you
1: get a kid that's nerdy like me, because you know how nerdy I am. Um, off the charts. Off the charts, yeah. I'm just interested in everything. Um, you get a kid that's nerdy like me and then you hand him the goggles and say, okay, today we're going into space and you're going to see a nebula up close. Or today we're going to Rome and we're going to see the Colosseum and we're going to walk through the Colosseum as a class. Oh, so cool. Like just you, – you blow that kid's mind really, really quickly and they are engaged 100% without too much effort on the teacher other than figuring out the tech. But then the student is asking for more. Exactly. I want to see more. I want to get more. Yeah. They're having fun yeah. in class and they're engaged rather than worrying about some other thing uh, or what's happening on their cell phone. Um, which was, leads me to the last session I went to. I went to Chris Nessie's session on social media. I walked. I was on my way to a Google Doc session, which sounded great as well. But I walked by the door, and all I saw were teachers standing up, yelling, cheering, and laughing. And I was like, okay, whoever's teaching this, I'm going in. And it happened to be Chris Nessie, and uh, he was talking about social media. And it was really interesting for me to see as a teacher because uh, there's this new game out, Fortnite. It's now on mobile. Um, all the kids are into it. And there's a couple of teachers in there that were saying, Well, this is a bad thing. The kids are staying up all night playing the game. They're bringing it to school, all sorts of things. And there's actually an article on Katatu, um, this gaming blog yesterday about how teachers are dealing with this new app because it's so big. Um, And I I was just like, well, this isn't a problem. Engage with the students. Talk to them. See why they like it. See what you can do with it. And maybe not necessarily mimic the process because it is a a battle game. It's a, a shooter, basically. But take some time and engage with the students. Well, why do they play it? Maybe there's something you can do with RPGs or maybe you can dig into gaming technology or maybe just have a real conversation with the student and see what it's like because that way you're informed as to why it's it's interesting. But the panic around it reminds me of like what was a year ago or two years ago is when we had the fidget spinners, all the kids had those. They are going, oh, those are
0: terrible. They're distracting, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's just another fidget spinner. Well, uh, you know how many teachers turn those fidget spinners into lessons? Yeah. I mean, there were fidget spinners going on desks to see how many, people, how many math problems you could complete before it stopped, right? So, like you were saying, it's something new. Yeah. Don't be afraid of it. Exactly. See how you can embrace it. And I think that's an opportunity to make a connection with the student. I mean, think about you, mm-hmm. say, nerdy little Matt 7th grader, yep. and your teacher goes hey, tell me about Fortnite. And that, I could see your eyes just lighting up going, oh, let me tell you and going for days and yeah. just having that interest in something that they're interested in. And then maybe you could connect it to something. Yeah, just
1: figure out a way to, to not deny the session or the idea, bring it into the conversation. And there's so many good ways to do that. And so that was one of the things I think a lot of teachers took away from that session. But also um, the idea of Ed Chats. We talked about Utah Ed Chat, which is on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Uh, thank you, you, said again for That's doing that. That's Mountain Time. Mountain Time, yeah. So if you're on the East Coast, it's like 11 p.m., which good luck. I would be asleep by then um, or should be asleep by then. Um, but Chris Nessie really dug into the idea of teachers shouldn't be afraid of social media. They shouldn't demonize it. They should at least embrace it as a professional. And I've been doing that over the last month or so. And just the amount of the wealth of information, the contacts I have made, the basically how it's made me feel like I have a community has been really helpful. And that was basically Chris's idea find your tribe, and it's probably out on social media. Um, and then he also uses it in his classes. So he teaches college classes. And in there, he has a classroom Twitter. He goes and search, I love this, by the way. I'm going to do this next semester with my, my college students. He searches his college students before, on social media and he puts them on slides. One good thing I, he found on social media about them, one bad thing he found on there. <laughs> and he was like, you should see their faces every time that I do that because they're amazed how easy it is for me to find s- stuff on social media about them.
0: Well, I, I use social media in that way all the time. When I hear about somebody new or I haven't met somebody, that's where I go because right? I, I want to learn or be a little bit connected with them even before I get with the, get to them face to face, and so I feel like we've kind of broken that ice a little bit just for me. Um, that helps me in social situations. But I would, I'd be pretty shocked. I kind of wonder what would show up on a slide right. with me on there. So maybe I'll have to take his class. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're, <laughs> well, ever I'll the, take your class. If
1: you're ever at Rutgers.
0: Oh yeah, that's where he teaches out in, in uh, a little bit of a community. New Jersey.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Well. Um, Great second day at USET. Wonderful things happening. Wonderful communication. Just had a wonderful day meeting everyone and doing all the great sessions. Um, It was really great. Thanks to USET for
0: setting it up for us. Absolutely. One last note on communication. Yeah. You just, you have this knack. You talk to people after their session, after they inspire you, form a communication, but then you get them to come and talk to us more. Yeah. It's amazing how many educators out there or presenters will keep the conversation going. So... My word of advice, don't hesitate to follow up with presenters. Keep the conversation going. Keep communicating because uh, there are a lot of great people out there, yeah. a lot of great ideas.
1: Um, it, I think it was Ginger who said this, but and I might be Miss misquoting her, but and, until you ask, you have a no. Exactly. And so it's just a wonderful idea that you can
0: just go and ask whoever's there, communicate with them, see what happens. It's Absolutely. Wonderful. Great day. Great USET conference all around. Looking yep. forward to it next year. Great day, two of communication. Yeah, check out um, the USET website. Check out um,
1: EdTrex on Twitter. Our Twitter handles EdTrex
0: uh, PD. I'm Q Henderson,
1: uh, Teacher Winners, um, but also we're part of the House of EdTech podcasting network. Um, check us out on Twitter. Thanks so much, guys.
0: Thank you.